Bill's going to teach us uh, and introduce the theme of uh, the kingdom of God. So I'm going to pray for Bill, and then we're going to hand over to you. So Lord God, thank you for this man. Thank you that you speak through him. And I want to ask you would open up our hearts. Open them up right now to hear what you want to say to us. Lord, where we feel distracted and we want to just kind of check out Facebook and see what's going on or go online, whatever it is, just keep us attentive to what you want to say to us. Open our hearts. Thank you for the message that Bill has for us tonight. Bless him. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Right. Well, good evening. It is, um, it is good to be here. The presence of God. The theme which uh, we've got for this evening is really just introducing um, the theme for, for our year of, of encounter, which is the kingdom of God. And uh, we kind of said to the first one, well, what is the kingdom of God? You know, and it ended up saying, well, that's a good start. And it's ended up being me who got it. So I can't really complain, actually, because those of you who... Uh, um, at Camborne Church this morning, will realise that I gave one of our internal preachers, I said, can you preach? Try to keep it short, because we actually got quite a lot in the service. Can you preach on the whole of Israel, uh, please? And he did a stonking job, so um, it's just downhill from there, I think. But uh, I don't know. I rather like uh, visiting uh, restaurants which have a, a thing called a tasting menu, then if you've come across a tasting menu, a tasting menu is basically when you just think, you know, a three-course meal is not enough. Um, and you get little bits of all kinds of stuff. And I'm just going to say that this evening, it's going to be a bit like that. Little bits of all kinds of stuff. Because in a way, it's just kind of sort of saying, this is the kind of stuff which comes out of the kitchen when we start talking about the kingdom of God. We might end up having a full meal of some of these a bit later in the year. But at the moment, it's just, here's a taste of, (laughs) just get your taste buds tingling. We'll take that away. We'll move on. So, whoops, I'm going to break the uh, place first. Right. What is the kingdom of God? What is the kingdom of God? Or sometimes you'll find in uh, Matthew's gospel particularly, it ends up saying, what talks about the kingdom of heaven. Just don't worry about that, same thing. What is, what is the kingdom? What is the kingdom of God? And when we talk about the kingdom of God, it's as though it's, it's kind of some object which we're kind of looking at. And, and we can end up, with this idea that, that, that there's something which we kind of inspect when we think about the kingdom of God. Because it's quite a static kind of word. It's not a static idea. But the, the, the word kingdom, you know, I was born in the United Kingdom in 1967. Do the maths later. But I was born in the United Kingdom. I'll tell you now, the boundaries have not changed since then. It's over 50 years. Boundaries have not changed. 
And often we think of kingdoms as quite static. And I think that's really unhelpful if we think about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is anything but static. And therefore, I think sometimes when we talk about the kingdom of God, it's helpful to sort of twist it around a bit and and talk about God as king and therefore God ruling, God reigning. And therefore you say, what does the kingdom of God look like? Well, you might ask the question, what does it look like when God's in charge? What does it look like when God reigns, when God rules? Well, the kingdom of God, this theme, was absolutely central to the teaching of Jesus. And I have to say that, by and large, it has not been central to the teaching of his people since. (laughs) I'm not saying we've completely ignored it, but it has not had the central place which Jesus gave to preaching the kingdom. Absolutely central. God ruling. God in charge. What does that look like? What does that mean? I came across one phrase in a textbook or a sort of dictionary I was looking at, and I just quite liked the phrase. It talks about the kingdom of God being involved in God's decisive intervention. Nothing static about that. God breaking in in a decisive way to change history. When we talk about the kingdom of God, it's not static. It's actually about the rule of God breaking into the darkness of the world. The rule of God breaking in to the darkness of the world. And it is focused absolutely centrally on the person of Jesus. Some people were asking questions and Jesus ended up saying, (laughs) they were looking here and there for the kingdom. He said, the kingdom of God is among you. And when he said that, I think he was kind of saying, the kingdom of God is among you. It's me. It's in me. Jesus is absolutely central to this kingdom. So God's in charge. He's getting his own way. He's breaking into, controlling new territory, breaking into the darkness. This is what the kingdom of God means. So, what does that actually look like? Well, some of God's breaking into the darkness is stuff which he's already done. Stuff which is already secure and done in the ministry of Jesus. Some of it is happening now and some of it we await. 
We get into all kinds of trouble if we just think the kingdom of God, God's defeat of evil and God's victory is all in the future. We also get into trouble if we think it's all in the past because, let's be honest, I'm rather disappointed. If, If this is as good as it gets, you know, no. Stuff in the past, things which is happening now and there is a glorious future that is being, being called into. So God is on the move. God is defeating evil. God is breaking into the darkness. God is reigning. God is in charge. Especially in and through Jesus. But what does it look like? And I'm going to just read a few different parts from the Bible, a few different passages, mainly from the Gospels, but I'm going to start somewhere other than the Gospels and just look at little bits of what we have. I'm going to begin in Micah. Micah chapter 4. I'm just going to read verses 2, 3 and 4, probably. A prophecy. It says, many nations will come and say, come, let's go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between many peoples, settle disputes for strong nations far and wide. They will beat their swords into plowshares, their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. And everyone will sit under their own vine and under their own fig tree, and no one will make them afraid. For the Lord Almighty has spoken. I wanted to start with that little section of prophecy. Just to say there's nothing small and all personalized and individual and private about the kingdom of God, about when God comes to rule. There's coming a time when wars will cease. There's coming a time, I I actually love the image of everyone being able to sit under their own vine or fig tree. Don't know much about vines or fig trees. But um, it's the idea that each person has their own stake, their own little place in society where they feel secure and is theirs in relationship with God as well. Because that passage also talks about people seeking God. Let's, Let's go to Jerusalem. Let's go and find out about God. There's a hunger for God. There's worldwide peace in this vision and everyone has their place of security so the kingdom of God is social it has social realities if you like it 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 affects the way society is it's not just something which is kind of cut away in some little religious sphere of life or spiritual sphere of life. It is about God at work in history. 
But what does Jesus say? In Luke chapter 7, I'm going to look a little bit at Luke chapter 7. And this is a place where God is coming. And John, by this stage, has been, uh, John the Baptist has been imprisoned. Uh, He's kind of a bit far away from the action. But he's in prison and he sends two of his um, followers, two of his his own people, to ask Jesus kind of, what's up, what's happening? John's disciples told him all about what was happening. Calling two of them, he sent them to the Lord to ask, are you the one who's to come or should we expect someone else? Really interesting. John's just beginning to say, did I get it wrong? Did I get it wrong in putting my, all my eggs kind of in the Jesus basket? Did, uh, did I get it wrong? And the response, the response is this. At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, illnesses, and evil spirits, and gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, go back and report to John what you've just seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is the one who doesn't stumble on account of me. John, I think rightly, and we will come back to this, says, well, when God comes to reign, there's going to be judgment. There is going to be judgment. And there is, and we will come back to that. But he's not seeing that, and he's just not seeing what he was expecting to see. And Jesus, you're seeing evil spirits being cast out. You're seeing the dead raised. And and you're thinking you're looking in the wrong place? God is at work bringing his reign and rule into the dark places. And evil can't stand up against Jesus. Against God when God is on the move. When God's kingdom comes. And so when we talk about the kingdom, I think we're talking about something which, which can affect armies and economics and all kinds of stuff. But also, deeply, it is about people's own experience of the things which, which limit them, which, which crush them, spiritual realities, which do them down, being defeated. That's why we're going to be looking at healing. It's why we're going to be looking at deliverance as part of what we're going to be doing this year. God, in Jesus, defeating evil and darkness and bringing his light and victory. But it's also why we're going to look at something which, a phrase which comes up again and again and again, good news to the poor. Good news for the poor. We're going to be looking at that theme too. Why is it that when 
we're saying, hey, God's in charge. Suddenly, suddenly those who are poor, those who are on the edge of being raised up, <laughs> brought in center stage. And maybe the rich are being sent empty away. <laughs> As Mary sang, God is on the move and it is in and through Jesus. Now the kingdom is utterly centered on Jesus. But I think there, there are a couple of things I'm wanting to say about this. Is... Because the kingdom is utterly centered on Jesus, sometimes called the kingdom of God, sometimes called the kingdom of heaven, occasionally it's called the kingdom of Christ or my kingdom. So that, that works too. It's utterly centered on Jesus. Never get so excited by the kingdom that you are more excited by the kingdom than you are by the king. Never get more excited by the kingdom than by the king. I can remember talking to somebody and, and he was, I mean, I didn't know him well. He, he was a uh, minister, a high church Anglican minister and he was just sort of, he'd be saying, I think we've been talking about the kingdom and we've been losing sight of the king. And I just thought there was real, real wisdom. And, and, and he, he wasn't criticizing anyone else. He was, he was just reflecting on his own ministry and just saying we, we can't sideline the king and just say hey isn't it great when economics goes right yes it's great isn't it great when there's peace between nations yes it's great but there has to be a centrality of honoring the king but also, I want to say something else, which might be pulling in a slightly different direction. And that is, there are people, better, you know, cleverer people than me, a guy called St. Augustine was one of them, who said something which I'm about to disagree with. And they were saying that the kingdom of God and the church almost interchangeable dangerous stuff dangerous stuff it makes the church think way too highly of, him, of ourselves <laughs> it's dangerous stuff now the fact is if Jesus is at the center and the church are the people who look to Jesus then yeah, there's going to be lots of interplay between the church, the people who put Jesus as king, and the kingdom. But it is so dangerous if we begin to think the only place that God works is through us. Or even worse, possibly even worse, I think it is even worse, is if we're doing something, it must be God at work. That, that's really appalling. And idolatrous. And people don't quite say it in those terms, but we need to be careful that we don't tame the kingdom and make it all about the church, all about us, and making us always the good guys, because <laughs> sometimes we've not been. <laughs> the institutional church, 
And I'm not just, you know, that's not, you know, the organised church, you know, local churches, local Baptist churches. I'm a Baptist minister, you know, local Baptist church can be places which are distinctly anti-kingdom at times. Let, 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 let's admit that. But in as much as we focus on Jesus, then, then we're focusing on the king of the kingdom. And we need to be open to the fact that, that he is at work. He is at work out there now. And sometimes we need to play catch up. We need to play catch up and saying, what's God doing? How is God breaking into the darkness? And one of my prayers is, you know, God, use me, you know, work through me, but also sometimes work despite me, you know, and also just to do work which has absolutely nothing to do with me. You know, just, just, just be at work, Lord, your kingdom come. That big prayer, isn't it? Your kingdom come, your will be done. And, and, and the first port of call is, is getting my will more in line with what God is doing and saying. So we don't limit the kingdom to the church. We don't, we don't put those two things on top of each other too much. Too, but it's, it's not absolutely the same thing. And Jesus is the king. But he can work through people even who don't recognize that for his purposes. And that's part of his reign coming in, even if it's slightly by the back door. After all, you know, he, uh, he used, in the Old Testament, he used uh, Cyrus to release the uh, Jewish people from exile. Not because Cyrus recognized God, but just that was his chosen person for that purpose. So God can work through all kinds of people. But I'm wanting to have a look at a few more verses. Things which, where Jesus is basically saying, what is the kingdom of God like? The kingdom of God. Matthew 13 is full of, uh, full of these kind of things. He told them another parable, verse 31. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it's the smallest of the seeds, yet when it grows, it's the largest of the garden plants and becomes a tree. So that the bird... He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast the woman took and mixed into about 30 kilograms of dough until it worked all through the dough. Well, that is saying that sometimes God takes small things and achieves massive results. I mean, kind of the uh, a gospel story is feeding of 5,000, if you're wanting a sort of gospel story to go with. Mustard seed to a huge tree. Tiny wee bit of yeast. Leavens the whole batch of dough. Don't always be impressed by big. Be impressed by true. Don't be impressed by big, be impressed by true. And... 
Sometimes when the kingdom comes, I say sometimes, I think it's probably true always, it disrupts. God disrupts our comfortable lives. I think it's a really odd, in some ways it's quite an odd picture, a mustard seed which grows into a tree and all the birds nest in its branches in an agricultural community where, uh, you know, goody, goody, goody and more home for birds. That is not what most farmers are going to say, yippee, 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 more birds. Actually, it's disruptive. It's actually quite, just sort of saying, you know, God can make a tree out of this and make home for birds. And somebody retold this uh, parable once to me, and, and I just thought, oh, yeah, maybe that captures something of it, which is just saying, the kingdom of God is, is like, uh, like a teenage girl going into an internet cafe in uh, Soweto, and putting a wee disc, we had those things back in the day, uh, putting a wee disc into a computer. And the following day, banks, airlines, all having their systems frozen and overcome. Something tiny. Something tiny. Which, as a virus, can just go wild. An uncomfortable image for 21st century people. I don't actually think that was a very comfortable image actually for the first century farming community. But actually God disrupts and it can be tiny things and in his hands big things can happen. Which Chris read at the beginning, the treasure in the field. The bloke stumbles across it and says Dig, cover the earth again sell everything I've got, buy the field, yippee, I'm in the money, uh, I've got the treasure. Or the bloke looking for pearls, who finds a really good one and, and sells all the rest and, and buys this. It is saying this, God being in control, God's work is, is vitally important. It's worth giving up everything. It's worth giving up everything for. And there is actually a wee bit of contrast between those two stories. Uh, which I didn't see for ages. But actually, the bloke who stumbles across in a field isn't really a seeker. He's, he just sort of comes across it. One of them is looking for pearls and just finds the best. <laughs> he's a merchant. It, it's, it's his life's work and he's found a goodie. The other bloke just is tripping along the field and says, oh, oh. And, that, and that can happen, isn't it? Sometimes, sometimes seekers find the truth and sometimes just the truth finds those people who've just gone out for a walk. <laughs> the kingdom of God's like that. It's surprising. It, it's unpredictable, but it's immensely valuable. I did say also that I, I would touch on judgment again. And, well, there's a, a couple of them. I'm going to do the uh, shorter one, which is, once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. And when it was full, the fishermen pulled it up to the shore and they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets but threw the bad away. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous. We'll throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Judgment seems still to be part of what 
is involved in the kingdom. But it's judgment deferred. It's not judgment now. There is a day. The, the, uh, the net is brought in and the fish are sorted. In the same chapter, you'll also find the uh, story of the field which has weeds and crops growing together. And it's harvested at the end and sorted then. There is a sense of judgment still being part of When God comes to rule, there is still an aspect of judgment. It shouldn't be blasé. But it's actually saying it, it, it's deferred so, so that his work can be done. And whenever we talk about the judgment of God, we can know that there's a way of forgiveness in Jesus. And also, the kingdom belongs to the poor, the humble, the persecuted, and the weak. We said small things can, can grow to big things. Jesus says... Blessed are the poor in spirit, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He also says of uh, children, unless you can receive the kingdom like a little child, you'll, you'll have no part of it. The kingdom of God belongs to such as these. It, it's all these, <laughs> the poor, the humble, the, the ones on the edge again and again and again. which for those of us who are in comfortable positions makes rather uncomfortable reading, but there you go. God is gathering in the people on the edge and, and, and making them central. And that, that's part of his breaking into the darkness. The darkness of our world is taking the poor and raising them up. And that's not always comfortable for the rich. However you define poor and rich. In a way, you know, those who have, sometimes it's taken away. The last image I'm wanting, or passage I'm wanting to just look at is Matthew 9 earlier in Matthew, Matthew 9, 16. No one, well, or, you know, no one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth onto an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither do people put new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst. The wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. I said at the beginning that, that the kingdom of his, is not static. And actually, often, when God is at work, breaking into the darkness, as he does supremely in Jesus Christ, then actually, we've got to be flexible. And actually, our inherited structures will sometimes not do. We need to see what God's doing and, and have, have these flexible ways of working with what God is doing. 
Because if we are rigid and brittle, if we're not adaptable, if we don't respond to what God is doing, then it can rip apart the things which we thought were so secure. There is something uncomfortable, but uncomfortably wonderful about the kingdom of God. So it's not static. It's about God being at work in and through Jesus to transform the world both now and into eternity. God breaking into the darkness in all kinds of ways. And so we thought that that was just worth exploring a wee bit more this year. Don't you think? Do you want to be transforms the world even when that makes us feel uncomfortable? I do. And that's what we'll be doing. That's what we'll be doing. I'm just going to briefly pray and then uh, I'm going to play a song and then uh, there'll be a time for people to, uh, to maybe respond and, and bring something which God's been putting on your heart. But my prayer is a really simple one. You'll have heard it before. Our Father, your kingdom come. Your will be done. Amen.